Welcome to this edition. I don't know if it's episode 12, 13, 14, or somewhere in there of the Why Not Now podcast. Why we not talk now? To business owners and with my lovely host, Joe Salazar. What's Welcome happening? Down. Big Daddy B, Big Brian Sharifi, Big Sheriff in the building, Big Brian, Coach B. How you doing, bud? I'm doing great, man. Actually, I got some big news to share. Whoa. Um, but I'm not going to spoil it until our next podcast. Because oh, okay. I will bring in the big news. The, the next guest will be that big news. Are you pregnant again? Um, <laughs> you know what? That's not the case. That would be way too soon. Oh, okay. way I, was, too well, I, was, I mean, I was worried for, for Jay. I was like, oh, Two kids dear. is enough <laughs> right now during the pandemic. Exactly. Um, okay, so you're not pregnant. Now I, I'm not going to be able to, like, sleep. I, ha- I, hate, no. I hate being teased like that, Brian. But I'm, it's I'm, just I a collaboration. It's a partnership yeah. collaboration. I'll, okay, I'll perfect. So we'll have to wait for the next podcast uh, to get that information then. Exactly. And everybody tuning in, again, this podcast is about why not now start your own business? Why not now make your business better? Why not now learn from the best? And I'm really excited. It's football season. My Seahawks are doing really well. And one of my best friends in the whole wide world is here to grace us with his presence. And his name is Michael McLaughlin. And he's an attorney at law, and he specializes in eviction. And Michael, how are you doing today, man? Welcome to the show. Good, man. I'm, I'm on a high, baby. Like, we went into the weekend with a W already in the bank. I mean, Thursday night football is not my favorite, as you know. But when the Seahawks bring home a W on a Thursday night, I'm okay with it. I can, I can actually deal with it. It was a fantastic you know, uh, game, fantastic win. It was. And Joe, you were we, And we all got to hang out. It was we the first all time. All, yeah, it was beautiful. It was a beautiful day. Yeah, as you guys know, I'm a glass half empty guy, but um, there's very little for me to, to really complain about, although I find, I find something to complain about every game. But, um, but no, I was, overall, I was very pleased with how it all worked out. We're a perfect combination, Michael, yin and yang. Exactly. When it comes to being Seahawks fans, and, I, and I, I'm sorry for all the Niner fans out there. I know most people here tuning in are from San Francisco. Michael and I actually are both from the Seattle area. We both grew up there. That's actually why we have a connection and we build this um, great friendship is through that connection with the Seahawks. And we actually met at a networking event. Of all places, which this is a great time to virtually network. All, all B&Is, all the networking things now are virtual. So you can actually tune in and tap into more networks than you ever could previously, right, Michael? Saves you a lot yeah. more time. And let me say something about that too, Brian, because I have really, you know, I'm a, I'm a consummate networker. I'm very, very, very active in the business community in San Francisco, the legal and business community. And I think that when you can share a little bit something about yourself that's other than what you do nuts and bolts in your business, a product that you're selling, a service that you provide, something like that, to the extent that people get to know you as a person, they will like you better. And the more that people like you, the more they're going to want to do business with you. I enjoy being around. It, I look at it this way. I was in a big fraternity in college at the University of Washington. It was fun. It was 100 guys in the house. It was a really great time in my life. I really, really have fond memories of it. And today, like literally 30, 35 years later, the people that I know in business are like my fraternity brothers. We just don't, we don't live together anymore, but, we, but I have close relationships with other people in business now. And, and, I, and I hang out with them and I watch football games with them. And I, you know, I do things outside of just the nuts and bolts of transacting commerce. And so I think it's actually a really, really important part of being a successful person. Um, being a successful businessman is also being available um, on, on a personal side. It's just a really, really important aspect. The people that I want to do business with are the people that I like. And the people that I like are the people who are more interesting than just what kind of widget do you make or what kind of service do you provide or what's your billable rate? You know, at the end of the day, when you're dealing with real people um, and that you like them and you have something in common with them, they make you smile, they make you laugh. You want to be around those people. You build those relationships that you have forever. All the people that I met in business networking events, for the most part, I'm still connected with somehow. And whether I do business with them or not, it's still a relationship and a friendship. Right. Which is great too. And like you said, you want to do business with the people you like and it's past the business transactions, getting to know them personally. I think that's a great takeaway. Um, if you want to be successful in business and Michael, you and I did business with each other. You were once a member of perform for life, worked with us for a couple of years and I had the pleasure of working with you and you actually came through huge for me uh, and perform for life. 
can you share that story so that people get to know actually yeah. how how you do law and how you help me and um actually i'll start so i was actually on paternity leave this is in 2018 and um i came back i think i was only gone for like five weeks say four weeks a whole month i came back and i got served i got served on, on my desk I said what's this about and i had this this mail that was tucked away somewhere from the landlord saying i owed a tax bill on the property which was in my lease and somehow that didn't get to me while i was away and so i contacted michael i said what's what's up with it i i thought i was going to be evicted i had an eviction notice i think on yeah yeah on the paperwork and right. i gave michael a call i was panicking i was like what is going on i just get, came back to work michael please help tell right. us more michael so, how you, so came you came back so so a couple things one is that my and we're going to talk about business and stuff tonight but inextricably linked is my my role as a lawyer is inextricably linked with my role as a businessman so the two kind of go hand in hand and i recall that you came down to see me and you had because the first thing i said is you've got a three-day notice we have to deal with this not tomorrow we need to deal with this this afternoon you need to come see me immediately you came into my office and one of the things that that in eviction law and this is why i believe strongly that you need a specialist in this in my particular area of law you have to be a specialist you can't be a generalist you can't be like the family real estate guy or something you got to be an eviction specialist so you brought the notice into my office and my top uh, uh, counsel and i looked at the we sat down at the table shout out to shannon shout out to shannon shout out to we shannon love, burkhead right one of the finest players i've ever worked for so we sat down and there was one i'll be very brief here but there was one defect in that notice that notice gave you the option to pay in person but that notice didn't give you the hours and dates that they were available to take the in-person payment that failure render that entire notice defective. And if you have a defective notice, you cannot move forward successfully on, a, on an eviction action. You have to start over by reserving a new notice. So the first thing I said to you sitting at the table was, you are safe and in the clear on this notice here. But remember what I said, this is only six months into this lease. We need to get this relationship back on track. Something has gone wrong in this relationship. Well, we're gonna we're gonna solve this particular problem here. I'm very collaborative with the people that I work with, my clients and opposing counsel. So when I looked at that situation, I said we just got to figure out some way to get this relationship back on, on this on the straight and narrow. This is a 10-year lease, and we're already having eviction notice served in the six months. Something is not there's a misfire between landlord and tenant, um, and I think things have calmed down since then. Um, and Michael, uh, actually, that landlord and I are really close now. He's been the best landlord during this whole situation in the pandemic. And that situation actually um, gave, up, gave me credibility and gave us a better relationship from that moment forward. And you never know. I mean, he thought I was just being delinquent, not paying, although I was out on leave and they just the communication lines weren't there. And right. it just, Michael taught me more than just the, just the law and how to solve this problem. It was more of the long-term relationship and how to make that better. I don't think right. you get that from, from a lot of attorneys. And I was right. really thankful that you actually helped me beyond the actual issue, Mike. Yeah, it's a big part of what I do. You know, I've been practicing law for going on 22 years now. And, you know, I've learned a little bit, particularly in, in, in running my own business. I've learned a few things along the way about um, not just, you know, how to deal with this particular notice and so forth, but actually how to, to deal with, a landlord tenant relationship that's really a business on the commercial side it's much more of a business relationship which is why in my practice i'll represent both tenants and landlords on the commercial side because it is at the end of the day a business dispute on the residential side we're a landlord only firm um, and we're really experts and specialists in uh, the rent control and eviction protection statutes and uh, so this is such a hot topic right now michael with everything going on and yeah you know, I mean, this is huge. People are getting, are, are, aren't able to stay in business. The landlords are, you know, wanting to collect their, their rent on the commercial side. I'm sure the residential side too, things are a mess. It's unfortunate, of course, but it is business at the end of the day. How are we going about this? And what's like, this is a loaded question, but what would be the top one to three things you would suggest those in business right now? And let's focus on the tenant side. What would you tell tenants to kind of do number one. 
uh, on the commercial. Let's let's deal. I think with more, more is, I think more apropos to deal with the business the, the, the business or uh, um, commercial side. The, yeah. The commercial side. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I love to tell war stories. So I'll tell you, I just finished up a very complex, and I mean, 21-hour mediation over two days on a on a, a business dispute, a landlord-tenant dispute for unpaid rent, and some other issues predating the the um, pandemic about a week ago. At the end of the day, Brian, I think the most important thing is you've got to get a lawyer involved immediately. If you try to handle it yourself, you're likely going to make mistakes. Um, you may end up actually agreeing to things that you could get out of, um, or you're going to make an agreement just to just to satisfy the immediacy of the problem that you may not it may not be in your best interest to enter into. Um, and there may be leverage there that you just don't understand. Um, I, I frequently tell people, look, when you come in to see me in a landlord-tenant dispute, you don't know this, but you are dealing with a modern statutory regime that overlays concepts, feudal concepts that go back to William the Conqueror in 1066 in, in, in England. It, it, is, mm -hmm. it, is an, it, is a, it is a Byzantine um, maze of rules that are nearly impossible for the lay people to figure out. So you really, really need competent legal counsel. That's your number one. And by the way, the sooner the better. Go at least, it, it, at a minimum, go and buy an hour of a lawyer's time. Just put down an hour of time. It's like four or $500. Invest in that hour. Figure out what your options are. Have them take a look at your file. Have them look at your notices. Have them take a look at what's going on. It's 500 bucks well invested. Now, I know that in, in, a lot of people are struggling right now. $500 is a lot of money, especially for somebody's billable rate. But it, the, the consequences of not doing that and not knowing what you're doing in this area are just so astronomical that it's just, it is exponential more than the $500 you might, you might take. Um, th that's my, honestly, that's my number one overriding um, advice to people. Go get somebody who can help you negotiate and somebody like me who can hopefully build rapport with the other side you know, when I represent a client, I'm always, I, I like to jokingly tell people, I usually know the law and the facts better than everybody else in the room. Um, and we can, more than likely, we can work something out. Not always, but more than likely. And if we can't, I'm going to do everything in my power to actually win the day for you. Like, I'll go to jury trial if we have to. But I really prefer to work something, you know, less draconian than that. And right now, it's all about kind of negotiating and working things out and being, I think, patient as well right i mean you can't really predict the next six months a year from now you kind of have to take it yes here's a here's something to think about traditional notions of landlord and tenant are the landlord wants to you out they want to evict you they want to get you rid of you right well if you've looked around san francisco in the last six or eight months you will see what well, one thing in downtown san francisco in the commercial areas there's one common feature all over the city right now, and that's plywood on windows. It's everywhere in the city. There are vacant, blank commercial spaces all over the place. And this is, a, this is exacerbated by the fact that there was already vacant commercial space, you know, storefront brick and mortar stuff before the pandemic. And then now we're adding all of this on. So one way to look at this, yeah, the landlord wants his rent at the end of the day, right? But you got to think that as a, from a business transactions point of view, the landlord may want to work with the tenant to keep you in, even if, you know, he has to defer rent for, say, 12 months and then start picking it up when the pandemic ends. Because what's the option? What's the, what, what, what is the, what's the landlord's option? The landlord can go to court and get a judgment against you for the value of the rent that's unpaid, right? I, let's just, just, just take a hypothetical. I get a $50,000 judgment for the past seven months of, of rent, whatever. Mm -hmm. I've got this now money judgment that I have to go collect on. And oh, by the way, now you're out of possession, right? You're no longer in the storefront. So you're not going to be paying rent going forward. I've got to now find someone new to take over that place and probably way under market if I can get, even get anybody to bite and get in there. So right the landlords, you know, if, so it's a ripe opportunity for, that is a ripe opportunity for settlement and negotiation. Because really in this pandemic, I have found 
more often than not, the landlords and tenants both have what I call and what I've always used in my practice is a community of interest. You, if you've mm-hmm. got a viable business that you're just having to wait through the pandemic and you have, and you want to stay in that property and the landlord wants to keep rents coming in for the next five or 10 years, you both share something in common. When you share something in common, there's a deal to be made there. And a lawyer like me comes in and says, we got to work a deal so that, and, and I hate to use cliches like win-win, but, but, it really but, is. but, but honestly, at the end of the day, everybody's going to have to, everybody's suffering through this thing. The landlords are, the tenants are, and if there's an opportunity to strike a deal and negotiate a settlement that actually gets everybody where they need to be down the road when this thing ends, the more power to it. That's absolutely true. I never really thought of how it really is a win-win right now mm-hmm. for all landlords and uh, tenants in the sense that if they do have a viable business, I think that's key. The business is viable. It's only affected because of the pandemic. And the pandemic didn't just put them out of business already because they're already on their way out of business, right? right? And it's worthwhile for both parties to work things out for the long term, yeah. right? It's a long-term relationship. It's not a one, usually these leases are five to 10 years, right, Michael? Typically. Yeah, exactly. So Brian, think about it this way, right? Think about it this way. In a hot business climate, right? Let's say in the dot-com boom or you know, a couple of years ago in a hot commercial real estate market, where if you failed as a tenant and you failed to pay your rent and I evicted you and I could find a replacement tenant and maybe even increase the rent going forward, I have very little incentive to work for you, work with you. Mm-hmm. But when the number one feature in, Ameri- in, 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 in San Francisco commercial real estate right now are plywood on glass, empty storefronts, the landlord's prospect of finding a replacement tenant to get rent at, at or what you were paying is really low the chances are really low. So their incentives are now flipped from what they would be in a, in a, in a hot market. And so it's in that, it's in that environment that we can strike a deal. You know, that makes total sense. And you know, I'm going to pivot a little bit here. And speaking of pivoting, I want to hear about your, I know you're workman type, you know, you like to put your suit on, go in the office, and really um, work with your clients that way. And I know you've had to work a lot more virtually now, right? We all have, have had to. And law has, has changed dramatically, right? The scope of law has been all virtual. And what are your thoughts on that? I mean, what are some successes there that maybe you didn't really think of prior to the pandemic? And what are some things that, you know, maybe are here to stay, you think, for you and your practice and for all attorneys for that matter? Yeah. Well, one thing, a, co- a couple things. One is in, on the business, um, like marketing side, like, you know, relationship marketing, when you're going out and doing either a BNI or provisors or, you know, you're meeting, you're meeting either monthly or weekly or, or, or whatever in person and you're building relationships to exchange business. And stop right there, Michael, because that's really important what you said. If anybody here tuning in wants to start a business, wants to expand their business, whatever it is, you have to meet the right people and you have to build these relationships. And what better time to do it than right now during the pandemic, right? Michael, I mean, get out yeah. there and, and virtually network. It's, you're actually going to meet tons more people than you would have if you had to go in person and do it, right? And it's so much easier because you don't have to, you, you just show up and everybody's in the same boat, right? So it actually is relatively easy to do and you can do a lot more of it because it's just logistically, it's a lot easier to join a Zoom call have your cup of coffee, do your meeting, and then you're done. You don't have to, you don't have to, you don't have to walk, you don't have to do it. You go and you show up. That's super important. That I hope is, is here to stay in some format um, because it's super efficient. Really On the efficient. law side, um, mm-hmm. one thing I've been really pleased, I didn't think I would really like it, but doing mediations, right? And most mm-hmm. people know what mediation, mediation very briefly is, you've got a lawsuit of some kind and you're gonna hire someone who's truly a neutral who doesn't have a stake in the fight at all, someone, and a lawyer usually who's an expert in this particular area of law. And you go and basically it's like you go into one room and the other side goes into another room and he kind of goes back and forth, almost like a diplomat, seeing if he can get a negotiation going in a, in a settlement. Those have been extremely successful on, on, on Zoom. I've just been really, I'm really a big fan of that. 
Um, I really think by and large. And why is that, Michael? Why do you think it's more successful on, in Zoom? You know, because. Except for efficiency, obviously. Besides efficiency, why else? Well, you know what? I honestly believe that people's attention, believe it or not, is actually focused more on Zoom than it, when you do it in person, you're in a conference room and you're there for eight or nine hours and people just get antsy sitting in a conference room. But when they're mm. at Zoom and the mediator goes into the other room for an hour, you can go do something else, you know? And so you just yeah. you Zoom on, you turn the video off so you can go do it. You can attend to other things. You can't do that when you're downtown at jams, right? You're at the, you're in the conference. You're, you're in like four Embarcadero center on the 37th floor in a conference room and you're stuck. You know, you're basically the whole day is wasted here by zoom. You know, you can, you can, um, you can do other things. You're not, your whole day isn't necessarily wasted. Um, also I've been doing court appearances, um, on, on zoom and they're, and, and they've been great. Um, you know, I did a, an appeal of a, we, we went to jury trial back in January on a matter and, um, tenant appealed. And so we had a hearing on the appeal and I did that by zoom. Um, and it's super, super efficient. So efficiency is really key with, with zooming. What did yeah. you say you think for you and your, your law practice? And- yeah, but let me say this about, cause I am, you know, I'm, I'm old school. So, um, I was like everybody else. I did shelter in place. Um, for a long time. And then when things kind of opened up a little bit a month or so back, I actually for my own self started going back to the office because I just have a different mindset when I'm in the office than I do when I'm at, at home. Um, I found that I just wasn't able to get my mindset right to move things along. Yeah, um, your environment can dictate your performance. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And, and you know what though, Brian, but, but, I, but, I, but I'll say this as an observation. It doesn't work. Everybody's a little bit different. Some people are, are really successful at working from home and they, and it really works for them. And I think more power to it. Um, I'm just, it just for my own personal mindset. I, I believe that business is, is like 95% mindset. And so for my own personal mindset, it was really important for me to get back to the office. And speaking of business being 95% mindset, what do you think is one of the most important elements of mindset that one must practice when doing business? You know, is it commitment? Is it motivation? Is it consistency? What element do you think surpasses all others or in your opinion? Well, I think you have to have a, I think you have to have, because, you know, I started this business with, with a law partner six years ago. It was just him and me in the back of a broom closet, really at a small, you know, a, a, like a, a small little building up on the Castro. You know, and the firm now is up to 10 people. You know, we got six lawyers. I don't even know what's going on with half the case. Most of the cases in the office are being handled by other lawyers who work with and for me. And so I don't have to be involved in all that stuff. Um, and, 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 and I think largely that's the result of just, I just had a vision that I wanted to build a really big thriving law practice, but I didn't want it to be like the law practices that I had worked in, in New York and Washington, which were really sweatshops. I just did not want, I just didn't think that you had to be miserable every single day getting into the office. What separates you guys from the rest? Like, what do you think it is the sweatshop law firm versus your law firm? Well, one, one advantage that is that we have is that we specialize and two, I will say this as far as being a law firm, you have to have really, really good, competent lawyers. Um, and, and the lawyers that I work with in my firm, um, Shannon, Andres, myself, uh, we've got a new associate coming on strong, just passed the bar exam, so shout out to Mitch. Um, yeah, Mitch. Passing the bar, yeah, we're gonna get him sworn in here in the next week or two. Um, That's huge. Yeah, and Rob Weiss, you know, Rob is, Rob's been practicing law for, I don't know, 36 or 40 years, and he's my senior real estate counsel. So he'll do things like title disputes and encroaching fences and all that kind of stuff. You know, things that don't have to do with evictions. He does that kind of stuff. And one thing that makes us really successful, Brian, is we talk to each other all the time. We literally, I run, st- I'll call Andres, my law partner up and say, hey, I've got, a, I've got a little bit of an issue here. This is how I'm thinking about it. What do you think? Um, and we run that by, we have a really, really strong specialized team. Um, and you'll remember when you brought your notice into my office, I called Shannon in immediately. 
So we're not really free agents in the office. You know what I mean? Like when you buy mm. the law firm, you really buy a, a real breadth of talent and we really bring that to bear and we're super organized. So we have a staff meeting every Tuesday at 10 a.m., not 9.59, not 10.01, it's right at 10 o'clock. And my law partner runs a very tight ship. Just the way you, uh, you showed up to the, to the pod today, 10 minutes early, he was there. He was oh, as soon as he yeah, got yeah. there, he was there. Yeah, Michael yeah. Was punctual. When he comes over, he's uh, for Seahawks games. He's like, I'm gonna be there at four o'clock. He's there at three fifty. He's there right on time. And I love it. I'm always ready. If I tell him four hours now, I'm gonna be gotta make sure I'm ready at three forty-five. Which sometimes I'm not, Michael. And I apologize for that right now. No, no, that's okay. Yeah. No, there's there's actually a reason for that. You want to know what the reason for that is? What's that, Michael? In my twenties, so many, many, many moons ago, um, I was not like that. I was chronically late. And I just had a come to Jesus moment with myself, actually. I just, I, I, nobody called me out on it. I did it myself. I said, you know what? This is really disrespectful to people. This is not good. This is, this is narcissistic. This is all about me and my schedule and what I want to do and all that stuff. And I said, we need to stop. Whatever it takes, you need to stop being late for stuff. Just stop doing it. I don't, I just, just don't do that anymore. And so now I'm chronically early, no matter what. I get to the courtroom. If it's a nine o'clock hearing, I'm always there, no later than 8.30. And I want to kind of wrap everything, put everything together and wrap things up here with, um, I think one of the big takeaways is relationships. You know, your law firm is, is tight, you're competent, but you guys are close, you guys communicate. Networking is super valuable to the success of your business, future or present. Um, and I believe that you have a superpower, Michael, that you have to share with, with, um, with our audience. And what is that? What is your superpower? What makes you great? What makes you uh, thrive, Michael? Yeah, I'll a, tell you, I, I actually know the answer to this, right? Like I said earlier on, that my running my business and me being a lawyer, are inter they're, they're interconnected. And I know what my superpower is. And that is, is that I can, if you come to see me and you need to hire me because you've got a problem, I am going to explain to you the entire context of what's happening to you, the law and what relevant facts are in a manner that's not patronizing, that meets you where you are, and that will explain everything in, in a terms that you don't have to have a law degree. So that when we're doing stuff together, you know exactly what it is that we're doing, why it's important, and and why it's relevant so i i like to meet my clients and make sure that they really understand what the law is and what facts are because you know people come to me and they'll have well this happened and that happened and this happened and that happened i'm like okay hold on a second none of that really matters here's the relevant facts for what's going on um, you know one, one day i was sitting with michael and we we're watching a game and we're i think it was before a game and we we're talking about the law some history and one day it came to me where, because Michael and I always talk about these things, and regardless, it came to me that Michael is really great at teaching you and making it interesting. And a lot of times the law isn't interesting. History might not be interesting to some. Of course it is you, Michael. But Michael will make it interesting, and you'll actually care to want to know more information about it. And I told him, you know what, Michael? If you weren't a lawyer, I think you'd be a great teacher. And he's like, actually, I thought about that one at one point, of being like a law teacher, right? Or a law professor, I should say. Yeah, your, yeah. your brother is actually a lawyer. <laughs> my brother is a teacher. Um, I'm or a teacher. Today. I'm sorry. Yeah, my brother is a teacher. Lawyer. Yeah, my 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 brother is a teacher. Um, in my next life, I think I'm going to come back as a teacher because I just enjoy it. <laughs> You're great at teaching people. I mean, and, and like making it interesting. The uninteresting, be interesting. I think that is your superpower, in my opinion, yeah. which is a version of what you just said. And it's Thanksgiving week. Um, I know that Joe's been very quiet. I don't know. I think his, his mind is pondering. I think you have something up your sleeve, Joe. Oh, I mean, I was quiet just because I was enjoying hearing your guys' conversation. Enjoying I know you're locked in. You seem, you seem very intrigued, actually. You seem very locked oh, in. Oh, I, I, I love hearing my – I mean, even when I met him last Thursday, I mean, honestly, I mean, if you're not watching the podcast, I mean, just look at this guy. Super, super good looking, super well kept, very, very shiny, very clean everywhere. <laughs> uh, but honestly, it's very captivating and being able to like take over a room. It, is that important? Like you, we were talking a little bit about being in court 
and doing virtual meetings. And you're a guy who I think um, kind of uses your presence and how you present yourself as a benefit um, to, to yeah. your case. Um, how do you, how are you adapting to doing that virtually? Yeah. So Joe, let me tell you something, because that's a really prescient observation. So there's a little story about that because I do have kind of a big presence and we have mm -hmm. to be aware of that in my firm and we're trial lawyers. So we go to trial. I love nothing more than putting on a jury trial. Mm -hmm. I, it's, just, it's just where I love being in the courtroom. I love it. I just, yeah. it's, a, it's like my calling in life, but I have a strong personality. And when we went to trial about two years ago, my associate at the time, Isaac, and I decided that Isaac, Isaac is a very, Isaac is everyone's best friend. Isaac mm -hmm. is super smart, but everyone just loves him immediately. Whereas I can be kind of a strong cup of coffee. Um, and we were vordeering the jury. The vordeering of the jury is like when you're picking the jurors to be on your jury. And I said, Isaac, I think you need to vordeer the jury because people need to get used to me um, slowly. And I can't be the one that vordeers this jury and picks this jury because some people are going to be put off by this strong personality. So we did. We made a very conscious decision. It was not by mistake. We specifically had Isaac do that because I can come off as booming and, and, and I am the one that will cross-examine. In fact, one of, the, one of the questions that Isaac had for, for the jurors was, if you see an aggressive lawyer going after a witness and they're relentless, will that bother you? Will that put you off? Mm -hmm. Because he knew what was coming because I really do enjoy cross-examination. Yeah, and that yeah. particular case called for just a brutal, withering cross-examination that brought mm -hmm. the witness to tears, actually. Wow. And so, um, and so we, 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 we were very strategic in the way that we picked that jury. Um, um, yeah. I, was, I was recently watching uh, a, 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 a series, a television series, and it took place in a courtroom. It has to do with the murder. Are you watching The Undoing? Anyone watching The Undoing on HBO? Uh, Nicole Kidman, Hugh Grant. Oh my God, fantastic. If you're listening, watching, get on it. It's so good. Um, but like both lawyers have to like, you know, structure their narrative. So they have to rehearse like the story. Like this poor man being accused of this horrendous thing. Love affair? Sure. Murder? No. Let's remember a person that we cared about was killed. You know, they had this whole script right. laid out. Do you like have to write like a script and then present it in front of a jury? Like, do you love that time to do that? Yeah. So that usually gets done. That, that is the, uh, there's, there are two actual times in a, yeah. in a courtroom when you as the lawyer get to talk to the jury and mm -hmm. otherwise you cannot. Okay. Um, and that is opening statement, mm -hmm. right? Where you basically are going to tell the jury what it is that you're going to prove. And, and you, pro you make certain promises to the jury that you better deliver on, right? The, the yeah. evidence better come in. If you tell them you're gonna prove each element of, a, of, of something, you better be ready with witnesses and evidence to prove each element. Because at the end of the trial, you come back and you get your closing argument. And that is where you get to tell the jury you know, how all the evidence that was put in is stitched together. And mm -hmm. so a lot of times I'll say in my opening argument, I promised you that I would prove the following four elements. Here's the evidence that we put into trial that proves each element you walk mm -hmm. through those. Yeah. And that's a really fun. I can imagine you being amazing at that. Slo loving it. Just digging it. Cause yeah. I feel like I were in law, like I would just think, Oh, I'm going to Matthew McConaughey the shit out of this opening statement. Like, yeah. <laughs> but you know, what's funny is that and every lawyer is a little different, but I, I, I'm much, better speaking extemporaneously so i will have bullet point notes i don't read a speech generally um you know i, I want to ask you something michael i've always wondered this um and i love movies that are have lawyers involved or you know have a legal dispute or, of some kind i've always wondered how fictitious those scenes are or how you know how realistic they are is it is it pretty does it bother you when you're like oh my god it's not really how it's like in the courtroom or is it or, yeah, yeah it, it, it depends on the show. So there are varying qualities of show, right? What's the most realistic courtroom scene that you've ever seen? Yeah, in a movie. Not a show, in a movie. Yeah, there's such a, there was a show on, gosh, guys, it was with Dylan McDermott, right? What was the name of that show? I think it's just called The Practice. The Practice, that's yeah. it. Well, that show was on when I was in law school, and it was my all-time favorite. I loved it. It's a great one. Now, Ally McBeal, on the other hand, was just, oh, you know, that was God. just I love Ally McBeal. right? Yeah. I think it was great, but it was just. But it's not you know, real. <laughs> yeah, it's not real, right? baby in a courtroom. But my favorite 
Um, my favorite cop um, law drama was a show on in the 90s, again, when I was in law school, and it was called Homicide, Life on the Streets. I think it was an NBC show. Mm-hmm. And it was based on, without digressing too far, it was based on a year that a reporter from the Baltimore Sun spent in the Baltimore Homicide Department. And then it spun off into a show and it was super powerful. Like I, I wouldn't, even in law school, when I was consumed with school, I never missed um, Homicide. I loved it. I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. And I really did like the practice. I wonder if I go back now. Now the practice was on it when I was in law school. I wonder if I go back now and were to watch the practice. I would think that the the presentation of the evidence and the rules um, was as good um, as, as I did then. You should but watch you know, an episode. Oh gosh, it's got to be I somewhere. I can't remember any particular episode, right? It's been like twenty some years. You're gonna watch one on YouTube or something. You could probably dig one. Oh out yeah, yeah. It and see what you think now. Well, I you know that 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 raises. Well, I don't want to die because you guys, you know me, Brian. You're just going to have to cut me off at some point because I, <laughs> I could talk to a brick wall all night long. You're fine. You're fine. Um, but, brick walls were my fine. best friend as a kid. I was an only <laughs> child, so brick walls were my <laughs> There are some. There are some guys who do some really amazing uh, cross examination um, tutorials on YouTube, and I'm a big fan of those. There's a, he's a criminal defense attorney. I think that he was a prosecutor and then he went very, as that very often happens, you, lo- you leave the prosecutor's office and you open your own private practice doing criminal defense. Mm-hmm. And this particular guy is in Michigan um, and he's just a really, he's an expert lawyer. It's like, it's awe-inspiring. His, his cross-examinations are brutal. Um, they're just master, they're just masterful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we gotta be on the lookout for that. So for our listeners, if you're interested, um, one other plug. One other plug is we do have a member of Congress here from the state of California, Katie Porter from Orange County, mm. who I think is uh, honestly when when you watch her, if you get a chance to watch her um, do cross examination in the in the uh, committee hearings, she's brilliant. She's a Harvard educated lawyer. Her one of her teachers was Elizabeth Warren, and it oh, shows. Wow. She's just a brilliant lawyer. She's Amazing. just really really smart. She knows exactly how to lay a trap and close it. Um, yeah, it's just when you see good lawyering and you're a good lawyer, it really is awe-inspiring. It's just, it's just something to behold. Hmm. Michael, how can we find you? Like, how can people do business with you? Yeah. yeah, the best way to get about it is I have a really, really robust, really good support staff. So if you want to just call my office and make an appointment, you can get us at 415-655-9753. Uh, during COVID, my staff is, uh, is basically part-time. Go ahead and leave a message. We're getting back to people about 24 hours, in about 24 hours. Or alternatively, go to my website, which is, it's a mouthful, but it's kind of easy. It's bayareapropertylawyers.com. All right. Easy to remember. And nice. we'll put that on, you know, on when we post this on social media, on Spotify and everything, we'll make sure to put that yeah. on there as well. So in For case sure. you didn't catch it here, you can read the title and work with Mike on his team. If you're interested, Joe, it's time for a game. What's the game? Oh, I could not be more psyched for this. So <laughs> we have uh, Thanksgiving coming up is Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving week. It's one of my favorite weeks out of the entire calendar year. Um, not only for, you know, family, for the laughs, you know, photo opportunities. I always make sure I'm wearing something kind of nice, um, getting together, you know, sharing, gratitude one another uh my favorite part about thanksgiving is the food the the dinner it's an all-day feast for me do thanksgiving brunch thanksgiving dinner and we as a family here at the house that i'm at and at my parents house we sometimes get in battles over you know how much we're going to take of one particular item well we're gonna settle this right now uh because us three are going to do our thanksgiving dinner dish fantasy draft i know that's a mouthful too but it's great a thanksgiving dinner dish fantasy draft so here's how it's going to work who's going to win though how do you determine the winner there's no winner it's just whoever i mean we'll see how things go with your dinner on thursday we'll figure out who who which dish was demolished the most thursday we can do a a follow-up pod if we need to uh pretty much here's how it's going to work uh, each one of us will have a round that we go draft in. We'll do snake order. That makes sense. You guys want to do snake? Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. We'll do snake sure. order, fantasy draft. 
uh, Mike, your number one draft. Uh, Joe is number two. And Bryant, you are number three, which is actually benefits you, I think, because you get to pick back-to-back, which I think is a huge plus. That's why if I'm doing fantasy, I don't mind the number 12 draft pick. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people are doing a lot of things this week, but not too many people are going to be doing a fantasy uh, Thanksgiving dinner dish uh, draft. So we have that to be original here, Brian. I love that. Very I'm, I'm going to definitely use that at some point. Exactly. And yeah. uh, we can even make a graphic for it, throw it up on the social if we need to. It's going to be fun. Perfect. All right. So, Mike, here we go. You are on the clock, sir. Yes, I'm going to be. I'm going to be keeping count, so I'll make sure that there are no repeats. There are no. Um, there's no cheating involved. So, um, Mike, what is your number one pick for your fantasy Thanksgiving okay. dinner dish draft? I, I don't want anybody to hate on me. Maybe people would take this in the later rounds, but I got I got. I can't be without. I got to take stuffing. Number one. Fuck, oh. Damn it! That's a, no, that's you took it from both. Oh, of them. you took I it. Was, I don't think people are gonna hate you for that. I mean, I think there's gonna be some haters out there. There always is. The stuffing is this always the sleep sleepy sleeper like num- best thing. And you can't find it all year round. You can't find it year round. We exactly. don't do it year round. My girlfriend yeah. makes the best. I mean, I'm sure you guys yeah, yeah. have your own best stuffing, but I swear, my boo boo. Oh my goodness, yeah. the it's best like, stuffing. It's my number one. I'm a, I, I actually am a, an absolute hog with it at home, and so you know, I, I, I get I get yelled at a lot for taking too much. <laughs> all right. <laughs> All right, uh, number one. So stuffing's off the board. That's that sucks. Uh, okay, since stuffing is off the board, I mean, I don't feel like this is kind of an obvious pick, but I feel like it's it's the base of any Thanksgiving that you have. So I'm gonna go ahead and take turkey off the board. Turkey's gonna be my first round number no, two. No, overall. no, 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 no. You can't do that. You have to be specific. Is it the breast? Is it the leg? Is it what part Ooh, of the turkey? okay. I like this. I'm taking turkey, white meat. Ugh. Wow. I'll go the white meat. I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed too, Michael. Oh, no, no. Oh, I always I, take a leg. I'm going to go with an I'm – I'm already ready for my pick. Okay, I'm go. I'm going to take a turkey leg. I'm going to take a big turkey leg like Thursday Night Football and bite into that. <laughs> so is that – is, is, is the leg the dark meat? Is yes. the leg dark? Okay. Yes, a big leg. Perfect. Awesome. Great first round, guys. All right. Stuffing, turkey, white meat, turkey, dark meat, slash turkey legs off the board. Starting with round two, Bryant, go ahead and take your pick. Oof, this one's kind of tough. It, it comes down to two things, but I'm going to share the other one that I was debating over. I'm going to go with um, the gravy. Oh, nice. The gravy. Very I had to nice. take the gravy off the board. <laughs> the gravy off you know, the board. The leg has, the leg's a quarterback, and it's got to get all the supporting cast. You know? No, exactly. No, I got you. Gravy is a big deal. We always we we have more than one type of gravy at our place. We have oh, like it's like a light gravy and a dark gravy. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't know what happens. I'm not in charge that's a of that. First. Mike, was that a first for you? I've never heard of that. Yeah, that's great. It sounds great though. Like yeah, I, I mean, it, yeah. it tastes. It honestly kind of tastes the same. But I, I don't think I would know because I always mix the two together, which maybe is blasphemy, gravy blasphemy. But it it's, it happens. My recollection is my mother used to make the gravy with the like the the drippings from the turkey. You know, it gets into the pan. And yeah, yeah, oh, that's, the that's, nice oh that fat. Yeah, you guys are making so me hungry. Good. So yeah. good. Yeah. All right. Um. All right. My number two pick. I am taking, um, sweet potato casserole. Oh, that is my number two pick. Love a good sweet potato pat casserole, and, um. I always go back and forth on the marshmallows on the top. And so what we're doing this year is a half and half where there's going to be uh, pecans on one side without marshmallows and just the other half, just straight marshmallows. Just so like it. everybody. I'm not, so, I'm, not, I'm not big on marshmallows. So I, would, I would like that at your household. There you go. Exactly. Yeah, Perfect. Yeah. Right. All right. Michael. Okay, the next one for me is obvious. I'm a Mick. I grew up in a very, very strict Irish Catholic family. So I got to go with mashed potatoes. Oh, honestly, I don't know how I forgot about mashed potatoes. I don't know why it's not on my draft board. I completely forgot about it. That's embarrassing. I completely blanked on that one too. I, that's. Yeah, but you guys went for the meats. You guys went for the meats in the early rounds. Yeah. Sweet potatoes. Yeah, exactly. Damn it. All right. 
Great call, Michael. All right. Number your round number three. Again, we have five rounds. Oh, okay. The snake draft. So you get to pick back to back. I pick again. Yeah, this is not, um, you know, we didn't have, we had, we only had turkey for Christmas and Thanksgiving in my house, but I have been to other, but I need a meat on my plate. So I'm going to go with like a honey ham. Mm. No, absolutely. Ham. That's totally oh, Thanksgiving. Michael was just complete. You know what? He, he drafted like a really good fantasy draft. He took his running back, then he took his receiver, then he took a quarterback later. I love that. The protein is a quarterback. He took it later. I love yeah, it. Oh, my goodness. I mean, Michael's board's looking great right now. He's got yeah. stuffing, mashed potatoes, and ham. I mean, that's looking, that's a that's a winner right there. A good meal. Hey, Michael, <laughs> let's. we're going to do a little audible on Monday night football when you come over. Let's do a Friendsgiving and have a Thanksgiving theme. Oh, that's such a good idea. Healthy Thanksgiving themed Monday night football. Oh man! And who are we playing? Are we're playing the Eagles? Oh, we're playing the Eagles. Okay, so this is into the soft underbelly of the of the of the schedule, as I see. It is. I can't wait. Right. And it's all about it's all birds. Birds on Monday night. So just eat 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 a bunch of birds. Hawks and eagles. Uh, Joe, you're welcome to come over too. Oh, okay. Yeah, I might have to take you up on that. Yeah, dude. Um. All right. Here we go. My third pick. I'm going to go with pumpkin pie. I'm oh. going straight to the desserts. Yeah. So I, don't, I don't even care. Can't go wrong. Pump, pumpkin is, pie. Is, is, is whipped cream like a separate item or does it come with whipped I think it comes with whipped cream. Whipped cream? It has, it has to come with it. Optional. Ooh. Because I, no. I, I do like leaving the whipped cream sometimes and just getting a scoop a la mode. I like throwing a little bit of ice cream on it. Oh, there. ice cream. Well, that works. Exactly. All right, that's, that's like whipped cream 2.0. That's like a that's like a super whipped cream. Exactly. You know? It's the yeah. it's the heavy base whipped cream. All right, Brian, you're up. Number three, uh, pick. Cr- cranberry sauce. Oh, nice, nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> Michael's gonna take that one. Michael would have the best team ever. I'm not gonna lie, cranberry sauce was on my board. It was on my board. Didn't uh, take it. Yeah, you get that tartness, you know, in there. It's important. Yeah. Super important. But I'm gonna have a I have a meal that's not complete. I have a leg. I have gravy and I have cranberry sauce. I kind of need like some other carbohydrates to kind of complement. I mean, all I'm saying is, Brian, I feel like you're missing a starch, but I, yes. it's not my it's not my Thanksgiving. It's not my team, so I'll leave it <laughs> up to you. And you have the next pick because it's snake draft. You have back to back picks. Go for it. Yes, I needed that. Um, I'm gonna have some. You know what? This is not on every table. It's something that we had in Thanksgiving growing up, and it's scalloped potatoes. Oh yeah. What is it? Yeah, scalloped potatoes. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Scalloped yeah. potatoes. Those are good. That's the kind of potatoes that we had. We had mashed potatoes sometimes, or usually along with it. We had two kinds of potatoes. So nice. that will be my starch to kind of complement my team. Awesome. Cool. All right. My pick, fourth round, I'm going with um, green bean casserole. Oh, I don't know how popular oh. it is. But no. I love green bean casserole. I love throwing a little bit of bacon in there. We throw a little bit of white cheddar on the top as well. And no. like Thanksgiving time, it's just the time for casseroles everywhere. So um, you just moved to like bean. you had the second best team after Michael, and now you have the third best team or the <laughs> worst team. What? You're tripping. <laughs> yeah, that just ruined your your meal. Sorry. You don't like green beans? Oh, I hate them. Oh, Michael, are you with him. me? Yeah, they're not my favorite. Um, yeah. But I'm, I need Damn. a vegetable too, man. Like I, I, I think I got, I think I got what. So I was surprised, you know, even in my mid fifties, I'm learning something new every day. Um, and I learned this year that there's one particular vegetable that um, I would turn my nose up to my whole life, and I never gave him a shot. And that was, and so my draft choice now. I need a vegetable on my plate. Is I'm going to do Brussels sprouts, roasted Brussels sprouts with bacon. Nice. I knew it, but fresh bacon, not fakey in imitation. Yeah, stuff. yeah real yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. And a little bit yeah. sweet with like a little maple in there. Yeah, exactly. Like you got to do them, but you got to roast them like at a high temperature, right? You got to flash roast them. Not, not you can't like steam them yeah. or cook them. They're, they're, they're disgusting. Yeah, you, you have that. to really roast them. Yeah, but roast them. Oh roast man, them. I think that's gonna finish that out. The, the that's a complete uh, meal. That's mm-hmm. a complete yeah. meal. I and mean, then you I, have, and then the you have your pick. last pick. My last pick, man. Like I'm gonna dessert. Do, dessert. I'm gonna take a dessert. I'm gonna take pecan pie. Nice. Oh. I don't know why I gave, I gave you that one. I was gonna take pecan pie. That's my favorite kind of dessert on Thanksgiving. Yeah, Love pecan pie. We're actually have we're baking pecan pie uh, tonight. Oh, are you? We, yeah, we couldn't we couldn't wait. Oh man. Um, 
your homemade pecan pie, and oh. then we'll bake it again Wednesday night for Thanksgiving. On oh, so this is a dry run. Yeah, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's just honestly just because I love it so much. We, we just, I just need the pecan pie for like multiple days. I like Thanksgiving yeah. multiple days. That's a winner, guys. Okay. Um, my final pick. I'm going to go with um, cornbread. Oh, oh, that's, that's good. So good. Can't go wrong with cornbread. Cornbread. Do you like it savory or sweet? I mean, it's always a little sweet, but do you like it more I, than like? Um, I like to add like a little bit of like honey to it. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I guess more on the sweet, a little sweet on the sweet side. I prefer yeah. honey over butter. I, I don't know why. It's I like both. I, yeah, Me too. I mean, why not? I used to eat a lot of uh, sopapillas. Do you know what sopapillas are? Yeah. And you put honey on sopapillas, and I don't know. I just love putting honey on random things one time and just thought to put honey on cornbread, and I just kind of go for it now. Oh, God. Michael, sopapillas are like a corn fritter of sorts in the Latin culture. And it's usually made out of like a masa base, tortilla yeah, base. Really yeah. light and fluffy, super delicious. Yeah. Oh, oh. Love it. Delicious. That sounds great. So that, that ends uh, my pick. Bryant, you have the last pick. Well, the last pick of the 2020 Thanksgiving Fantasy Why Not Now podcast draft, I'm going <laughs> to take sweet potato pie to round out my meal. Sweet That's potato incredible. pie. Can you take sweet potato pie even though I took sweet potato? Yeah, you uh, took sweet the, potato. You took like, you took like I just uh, add sweet marshmallow. Potato yeah, that's not sweet potato pie. You took the casserole. Not the pie. Very good. Right. Okay. Uh, judges? Ju- Mike, you're the judge. Yeah. No, I think they're separate things. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Thanks, Mike. Awesome. And that concludes <laughs> our fancy dress. So here we here, here here's how we ended up. Mike, you landed with um, stuffing, mashed potatoes, ham, Brussels sprouts, and pecan pie. I ended Weird. up with uh, turkey, the white meat, sweet potato casserole, pumpkin pie, green bean casserole, and cornbread. And Bryant ended up with uh, dark meat of the turkey, as well as the leg, uh, gravy, cranberry sauce, scalloped potatoes, and um, sweet potato pie. Wow. Each of them are strong. Yeah. Good team. Exactly. And uh, left on the board uh, was um, uh, artichoke dip, um, grilled asparagus. Um, who else is, we have a free agent. We sell free agents out there. Any other free agents that you guys can think of? <laughs> Oh yeah, uh, there's some good ones that we. I mean, like a salad of sorts. There's always a salad. But a, not, maybe a charcuterie board as well. Yeah, a charcuterie board would be cool. Yeah, yeah. I I always love topping like any Thanksgiving off with just a nice cup of coffee. Oh, that's you know, great. Yeah. Those things. Apple are still pie. How about apple, apple pie? Yeah, apple pie. Apple pie. Well. Actually, apple pie is my favorite pie, right? But really, like yeah, apple pie is actually my favorite. Yeah, you can't go wrong with a nice little scoop of ice cream. So good. Yeah. Fresh. Growing up in the state of Washington, man, the apples were always, you know. So good. Oh, shit. Yeah, Apple State. Us Washington boys. Yeah. Oh, love you gotta that. Love, you gotta love. Uh, you guys got a bunch of happy apples up there, huh? We do. We do. We do. <laughs> <laughs> well, that concludes our, our, our fancy draft, uh, Thanksgiving dinner dish fancy draft. Amazing work, guys. Proud, honored to be a part of this first annual tradition that we're doing here at the Why Not Now podcast. Um, and thank you, Mike, for talking to us, man. I know you're a busy guy. You have so much going on, but um, it's always great to talk to you. Great to see you. And um, we, we can't wait to do it next time. And what do we always uh, say to our guests and our listeners at the end of every episode, Bryant? Why not now? <laughs> <laughs>